It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Just win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for part two of the mailbag as we get ready for Senior Bowl week, which is coming up from Monday through Friday. And then, of course, Saturday will be the game. And so to answer questions with me, our friend who is the editor over at JetNation.com and will be in Mobile, Alabama to watch everything, Mr. Glenn Naughton. And so with that, let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from Nep Osnat. He asks, non-football question, we know how you feel about pizza, so I was wondering if you make it yourself at home. I mean, from scratch, of course. I used to. When I didn't live in the New York, New Jersey area, I made my own pizza. I don't do it anymore simply because the pizza here is so good that there's no need for me to make it myself. And as good as I can make it, it's not going to be as good as one of these old school Italian pizzerias that have been around for 70 years and still have the original pizza ovens that they started with when they opened the joint. So I have made it in the past. I do have a pizza maker and a recipe to make my own. I don't do it anymore because... I'm in the New York, New Jersey area, but if I move again, then I certainly will. Glenn, being in England, do you make your own pizza? Because I can't imagine the pizza over there is any good. I do not know how to cook. Um, <laughs> I don't make anything. I make I make toast and cereal. Um, those are my two specialties. I, I don't know how to cook food. I can put things in the microwave and I can use the air fryer from time to time, but I would never even attempt pizza because I know people who can cook who have a really hard time making pizza. Next question comes in from John Jensen. He asks, can you please give us your thoughts on the following? Number one, every offensive lineman that is going to be in Mobile. All right, we'll do our best on that one. Number two, Wilson, Cohen, Corley, and Walker. Number three, Bishop, Hicks, and Braid. Wilson, Cohen, Corley, and Walker, receivers. Bishop, Hicks, and Braid are safeties. And then Sweat, Hall, and Fisk, those are defensive tackles. That's the shortest list I could make. (laughs) So, Glenn, go ahead and do your best. All right. I might have to ask you for some recap. I'll start with the tackles because uh, there's only three of them. Um, And to me, Tavondre Sweat's the best of the group, best defensive tackle, um, probably in the country, definitely the best defensive tackle in Mobile. Um, Fisk, again, I've I've talked about him. Fantastic motor, nonstop motor. Good, Good initial quickness off the ball, off the snap. Um, should be a player who you, you see get picked in the middle rounds, who's a contributor. And then, of course, yes, Gabe Hall, the de- defensive tackle out of Baylor. Of the three guys you asked about, I've seen less of him than any of the others, so I can't really speak to him. I and I recall early on in the process watching a couple of Baylor games um, and liking his game, but I, I can't really say off the top of my head which features I, I love because I'd just be making stuff up. Um, as far as the safeties, um, Hicks and Braid are two of my favorite. Probably they're my two favorite safeties in Mobile. Um, Braid is a guy who jumped out at me last year, and Hicks as well because I watched so much of uh, so much Washington State. 
listen, they're both guys who are instinctive around the football. They make impact plays. Hicks, especially early in the year, he had a couple games where he was just a monster, and he was, again, sort of just being disruptive against the run, disruptive against the pass. And Braid, I'd mentioned on a couple of other shows that I've done, um, go back and watch him against Ohio State this year. And he's a guy who he can make plays on special teams as a gunner. He's a guy who can play against the run, makes plays against the pass. So he does a really nice job. The receiver group, you know, you name a few guys who I really like. Um, Jacob Cullings, a guy that I've I've said to Scott, we we were talking about him as early as last year on our podcast. He's a guy who creates separation, fantastic hands. They have a lot of guys at Arizona um, who are underrated in terms of their receivers. They have guys who are going to be coming out next year who might be first-round picks. Um, but Corley's a guy that I've liked for a while. Like I said, excellent hands. He'll be a good slot option. Um, as far as uh, Devontae Walker, Big time playmaker on the outside who, you know, it's a shame we didn't see more of him this year because of the fact that he was made ineligible by, by the NCAA, then reinstated. But he put up some gaudy numbers once he got on the field. Um, Malachi Corley was was, uh, was a guy that we highlighted on our show just a few days ago. One of the better receivers in the country in terms of making plays with the ball in his hands. Um, a, a yards after the catch guy. And let's face it, that's king in today's league, right? That's That's one of the reasons the 49ers are so good. You know, you look at Debo Samuel and George Kittle and, and McCaffrey and what those guys do with the ball after the catch. They're some of the best in the league at their respective positions, and that's why they're as good as they are. And Roman Wilson, uh, love him. Good quickness, shifty guy, can be a slot guy, um, and just fantastic toughness. You, you see him take some big shots, and he, he pops right back up. So he's he's one of those tough, over-the-middle guys who can, you know, play on the outside a little bit as well. And O-line, let's let's hit on a few, uh, a few of the major names here. They're, they got a ton of them, so we won't do every single one of them. But just some names of guys that I think quite a lot of after watching them. Of course, Talis Fuaga uh, tweeted about him a couple months ago as a guy Jets fans. You know, back when we thought the Jets would be picking, you know, much higher and the thought of possibly trading down, I had said the Jets should trade down in a range where they still have a shot at Fuaga because as a starting tackle, I think that he's a a, a, a physical, nasty tone setter type that you want. Um, Javon Foster, a guy who doesn't get as much, you know, as much talk right now. He's not an early round guy. But he's a Missouri tackle who's played really well against some top competition. Ladarius Henderson out of Michigan. He's a, a, a Arizona State transfer. He's got really good size, really good length. Um, might have to get a little bit stronger. Maybe he does kick inside the guard. But I would think with his traits, he's first going to first and foremost going to get a look at tackle um, before anyone considers moving him inside. Delmar Glaze, haven't watched as much of him as the other guys, but I do remember liking him. Again, just huge, huge wingspan. Uh, curious to see what he measures in at um, in Indy when he goes to the Combine. And, well, they they I believe they do measure the Senior Bowl, too, so we'll see what, what he comes out as. Um, Dominic Pooney, a guy who I just started watching yesterday, have read a fair bit about him leading up, you know, throughout the season. Um, had the first chance to watch him last night. Really tall guy, wide base. Plays at a good pad level considering his size. Um, better balance than I anticipated. Cooper Beebe, you got to love. He's a guy that a lot of people have talked about his ability to play both inside and outside. Isaiah Adams, um, really good strength. Illinois interior lineman. I've seen him listed as a tackle, so I don't know where they plan on playing him at Mobile. Um, if he gets a look at tackle, good for him. A chance to to you know make a little bit more money if he's playing outside rather than inside. Cedric Van Pran, absolute monster for Georgia. Would love to have him, um, you know, playing alongside AVT and Joe Tipman. That would be a, a, a fantastic trio. Christian Haynes out of UConn, another really strong guy who this is a big week for him in Mobile to show what he can do against top competition. Bo Limmer, center from Arkansas. 
Another interior guy, Arkansas has done a really good job in recent years of of developing these interior linemen. We've seen some some really good players go to the pros. And Jackson Powers Johnson, who some feel is the best center in this class, um, I would go with Van Pran myself. But Powers Johnson is no slouch himself. Layden Robinson, if you're he's, you know exclusively a guard, um, as far as from what I can see, he's a, a Texas A&M product, really a, a powerful bull rusher on the inside. Doesn't have great agility to get to the outside, get to the perimeter. If you're you know if, if you're a team looking to to run a lot of outside stuff, he may not be a guy you're targeting. Um, Patrick Paul out of Houston, a tackle. A guy that I've seen some people say the Jets should take with you know one of their one of their picks outside of round one. He's going to have an opportunity to improve his stock in in Mobile. And let's see, Tanner Bordellini, the center from Wisconsin. He's a guy I've not watched him of late, but I do recall taking some notes on him late last year, early this year, um, as a guy that I really liked. And Zach Frazier, who I flipped earlier and confused with Zach Zinter. Um, really good interior lineman. I've heard, I believe it was Rick Spielman, former, yeah, it was Rick Spielman, uh, the former GM of the Minnesota Vikings, 30 year executive was talking about him recently on their podcast, um, saying he liked him, but he, he didn't, he, he wasn't as high on him as some other people were, but I've seen some say that they think Frazier could be a sort of, you know, second, third round guy. Play like a jet, play like a jet. Next question comes in from J.P. Waxer. He asks, are there any lessons learned from historical risers and fallers from the Senior Bowl? This is a really interesting question. I like that one. I don't know that there's any precedent that you could look at that could tell you for sure that a guy who rises or falls is good or bad or that the Senior Bowl tells you one thing or another. I will say that obviously when you look back at somebody like EJ Manuel being at the Senior Bowl, doing well all week and then playing well in the Senior Bowl and winning Senior Bowl MVP and elevating himself to a mid-first round pick, that wasn't good. But then I would argue that Jermaine Johnson having his stock elevated, although it turned out it wasn't as elevated as we thought it was, was correct because he actually was one of the best defensive linemen in the draft and has become a really good player with the Jets. Quinn Miners is one that Glenn reminded me of before we started recording. It was all about freeing the beast and showing his belly fat. And he hasn't quite turned out to be the player that they were hoping he would be in Denver. So it's tough to say if there are any historical trends. What I would say is when you look at these guys in Mobile, watch the particular matchups in practice. That to me is what's most important. And then in the game, watch who they're lined up against. One guy that rose after the senior ball was Michael Wilson, the wide receiver from Stanford. And he played really well before he got hurt this past year. So I think it's really about the level of competition that you're facing during the practices in the game. If you show that you can do well against that top level competition, especially if you're somebody who's from a smaller school or a conference that's not as powerful and you go up against the guy from the SEC or the Pac-12 or something and you do well, that could be a good indicator that if your stock rises, it's a good thing. And then there are other instances, like we said, EJ Manuel, for example, where it's not so much a good thing. It's more of a mirage. Yeah, it really is tough to say because we we do see guys on a year-in, year-out basis who see their stock rise and fall in Mobile and then they go the other direction once they get into the pros. One example I'd given earlier was Denzel Mims, right? He went down there, and I remember when the Senior Bowl ended, there was all this talk about how, wow, his, his route tree is more advanced than anybody anticipated, and he just he just made himself a first-round pick, which he didn't, but he ended up going in the 40s, but he ended up being a bust. Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa, 
you know, he we kept hearing about how physical he was, and some people said he was crossing the line, but other people were saying, well, it's a good thing because he's dominating. And he, from what I've seen, and, you know, I'm not saying the guy's career is over and he's he's never going to get better, but what little I've seen of him as a pro, he's not been as good as advertised. So we see it all the time. Guys get hyped up and they fail, and guys get, you know, talked down and they succeed. So I don't know that you can really track it that way, but there, there's always interesting stories one way or the other. Next question comes in from Bart Harley Jarvis. He asks, Malachi Corley is one of my favorite players this year because of how angry he runs after the catch. I also like Jamari Thrash's speed, and he seems to have solid hands. Any chance one of those guys could be available in the third or fourth round? And do you think the Jets would consider one of them if they are still on the board when they pick? Yes, I do think the Jets would consider Corley or Thrash. And I agree with you, especially on Corley. I love the way he breaks tackles and the way he makes things happen after the catch. That is a trait that Aaron Rodgers absolutely loves. I think that Corley with Rodgers at quarterback could be an absolute monster in the Jets' offense. He's perfect for what they like to do. They could get him the ball in space and then just watch him constantly move the chains. The Jets desperately need a player like that, too. We know that. Garrett Wilson is great, but they need somebody who's a constant chain mover and I think that not only could Corley be that guy, but he could be that at a plus level. So I agree with you on Corley. He's one of my favorite players in this draft, too. And if he's there in the third or fourth round, I'm not sure if he will be. But if he is, I think the Jets would absolutely have to consider him. Yeah, I think both guys would would be able to upgrade this offense with Corley being the player who would go a lot earlier in this class. Um, I'd have to I. I'd have to watch more of Thrash to see wh- where they where they compare in terms of how much better Corley is. But as as I've said and many others have talked about, you know, Yak has become the thing you've got to have. Nobody does it better than Corley, so he would be the guy I would prefer over Thrash, but I'd be happy to add Thrash to this offense. Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard again. Shocking, he wants to know about offensive linemen again, Glenn. He asks... Who are the tackles that you would be happy that the Jets drafted either in the first round or later? And which tackles would you like the Jets to avoid that you think might be overrated? Also, do you think there's a chance Carter Warren could start at right tackle? I think there's definitely a chance that Carter Warren could start at right tackle. I don't think it's a great chance, and I don't think it's ideal. I'm not sure he's ready for that role, but depending on what the Jets do in free agency in the draft... He's probably going to have at least a chance to compete for that right tackle spot, so we'll see what happens. Glenn, what do you think about the tackles in this draft? Are there any that you think are getting a little too much buzz that maybe you'd want the Jets to steer clear of? Yeah, Carter Warren, I think, absolutely has to be in the picture to start. Um, I That was one of the, the things that I thought was a real shame that he missed a few games down the stretch because you know he was at a point where every rep was going to be really important in this team trying to evaluate him. It would have been nice for him to get a couple more starts. But for what he showed in limited action, I think that he absolutely has to be in the picture, especially if the Jets, you know, if they go back and watch that film and feel like this saves us having to use another early pick or premium pick on a tackle. I think that is a consideration as far as the tackles that I'd be, you know, that I would be worried about if I were the Jets. Um, Tyler Guyton, like I said earlier, you know, good traits, but I, I need to see more of him because um, I, I see people saying he's a first round pick, which which may be the case. But uh, I guess I'm saying more from my perspective, I got to watch more of him and, and see some sustained reps where he's having to be a, a, a pass blocker. And that's why Mobile is so important. I could I could easily see him being a first rounder if he lives up to the hype down in, uh down at the Senior Bowl. And uh, King V. Suamadia, from what I've watched of him, I think he needs to get stronger. I don't know that he's a day one starter. I've, I've seen people refer to him as that. 
Um, again, have only watched a couple of his games, and that was earlier in the year. But he's a guy, you know, as as the Senior Bowl approaches, especially this sort of this next three to four days for me, it's going to be exclusively watching, you know, offensive tackles for, you know, sort of 10 to 12 hours a day. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher again. He asks, of all the guys that are going to be at the Senior Bowl this week that are projected to be going in the first round as of right now, who do you think is most likely to rise and who do you think is most likely to fall? And then along those lines, general question for all of the prospects, who do you see as the most likely players in general to rise and who do you think are the most likely players to fall? I think uh, a guy, I mean, this, this should come as no surprise, right? Because we've talked about it. We heard Daniel Jeremiah say it. Uh, Talies Fuaga, who right now is sort of, from what I've seen, viewed as a, a sort of back half of the first round. But I think that uh, with, a, with a good week, he could propel himself up into the, the top half of that first round. And we've already heard him in the conversation um, as a possibility for the Jets at 10. I think Cameron Kinchins, um, a safety out of, out of Miami, Another really good player uh, who's who's going to be down in Mobile. I think that he could be a guy who, if he shows enough against some of these top receivers and and shows good enough cover skills, because he's definitely physical enough. If he shows that he can cover well enough, he's a guy that we could see climbing up some boards. Um, Bo Nix is, is could have a. I think he stands to have sort of the biggest rise if he plays against these guys the way he's played in the games that I watched. I think he enters the conversation as a a top ten quarterback pick. Um, and I know a lot of people will disagree with that if they haven't watched a lot of Bo Nix this year, because I I've heard people say that in past years. But last year, I disagreed with that. This year, I feel like he's a, a much improved player. Uh, wide receiver Tez Walker is is a receiver who gives you those explosive plays that, that teams covet nowadays. You got to have those to be able to win big games. And I think if he's able to do that down in Mobile the way he did it during the season, he'll be somebody that we see climb. And Tavondre Sweat, uh, the DT out of Texas, I tweeted probably a month or two ago that, you know, because of positional value, we may not see him go as early as he should. But I think he's a guy that if teams pass on him and, and don't take him in the first round, they're going to spend the next 10 years wondering why did we just why didn't we take this guy? You know, now that we have the game plan around him because he can play the run, he can collapse the pocket, he can ragdoll offensive linemen. Um, I think Tavondre Sweat's going to be a, a difference maker there. And a guy who's probably, you know, one of the matchups I'm looking forward to in Mobile, I hope they get to line up across from each other, is uh, Tavondre Sweat and Cedric Van Pran. Um, the uh, the guard, the guard, well, the center who might play some guard out of Georgia. Really good player there. And someone we've already mentioned a couple times, uh, Scott Cooper Beebe. He's going to have an opportunity to show what he can do down there. And, I mean, if you watched him in college, you saw that he's able to to play guard and to play tackle. So he'll have an opportunity to make himself some money. And another DT, McKinley Jackson, um, a guy at a Texas A&M, uh, explosive, plays low, plays with a good pad level, and just a disruptive guy. Doesn't put up huge numbers, but you, if you watch enough Texas A&M, you see how he impacts the game. So those are some of the guys I think could could really help their stock down there. Stefan Stelling asks, are there going to be any specific day three type players that you will be looking at while you're in Mobile? For me, yeah, you know, so much of it is going to be focused on you know, for Jets fans, it, it, it's, you know, that that's who we're obviously producing content for. So we're going to be watching a lot of those tackles, a lot of those receivers and and the day three quarterbacks, the developmental quarterback type. So, you know, some of the guys we've mentioned before, um, Spencer Rattler, who who may he may help us stock enough to get out of that day three conversation. But Michael Pratt's probably going to be a guy who's on the on the bubble, like between mid 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 late day two or early day three. Sam Hartman, probably a day three guy. 
we'll be keeping a close eye on him because again, the Jets, the expectation is you're going to move on from Zach Wilson. You're probably going to bring in a vet, but Rodgers doesn't have a ton of years left. So you're going to have to be looking for, you know, who the next guy is there. Um, as far as at receiver, a guy we have mentioned, Luke McCaffrey, I think because he's so raw, he might last a little bit longer. If he'd, I think if he'd been playing receiver from the day he started college, we'd probably be talking about him as going much earlier than that. Um, Anaya Smith out of Texas A&M, they've produced in recent years a lot of burners, a lot of game changers. And Smith is a guy who he's played the slot. He's played a little bit of running back. You know, it's, I actually look at him as someone the Dolphins might target, right? Because they like those track stars who can line up in a bunch of different spots. And that's what Smith brings. I would love for the Jets to bring someone like that on board. Wide receiver Ricky Pearsall, no idea where the scouting community is on him, but I would gladly take him in the in the mid-late rounds because he's a guy who can be a difference maker. He's, he can catch those contested balls. He can get the passes that you don't think he's going to get to, some of the best hands in this class. And the guy I mentioned earlier, uh, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, guy's got ridiculous hands, um, two drops throughout his college career, and just does a really nice job of pulling in anything that you get near him. So those are some of the later round guys that can help. Um, and they're always fun to watch. That's why that's what makes Mobile so great is is getting a look at some of these guys um, against top competition who will be there later in the draft. That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag. Make sure you check out everything Glenn's doing over at JetNation.com. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com. And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>